right, so we are in Revelation 13, the Mark of the Beast chapter this morning, and no, I am not preaching about the COVID vaccine. Uh, that is not what this is about, but this is going to be, this might be a little bit of an unusual type of a message for a Sunday morning, but I've just been wanting to preach on this for a while, and I just, I felt like doing it this morning, and so I hope you all get a blessing from it. But notice that last verse there in verse 18, it says, Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. Now, there has been a ton of speculation over the years as to the meaning of 666. We all know that number. We all know we're supposed to be offended if we see that uh, somewhere. One time, uh, we were uh, out souling at a um, housing complex when I was at my dad's church, and some people wanted to scare us, and they made it, they put a sign right next to our church van, kind of leaning on our church van that had 666 on it like it was written in blood. And, you know, it freaked some of the girls out pretty good, but at, at the same time, um, that was all it did. They just put that on there, and we were supposed to be freaked out and never go back there again. And it didn't work, but at the same time, you know, we all know there, you know, that's a bad number. There's something bad associated with it. But at the end of the day, we really don't know what it means for sure. You know, everybody's got different opinions on these things, and we'll all argue about it until it finally is revealed. But, you know, we do see that it mentions here that it is the number of a man. And we'll go back to this verse a little bit and say more about it. But there is no denying the fact there is a certain significance to the use of certain numbers in the Bible. But I'm afraid that we've complicated things in this area where people are starting to teach some really off-the-wall, bizarre stuff. And honestly, I just think it makes the Bible look bad. And sadly, too, most of the people teaching this off-the-wall stuff use, end up using it to make King James only look bad. And we are a King James only church, but the biggest pushers of Bible numerology are often defenders of the King James only position. And I think they make us look like we're all nut jobs. Personally, I find it embarrassing and I don't think we ought to do that. And so, but I do want to talk for a minute, though, about just briefly, I'm not going to spend hardly any time on this, on, you know, I, cause, uh, on Bible numerology. And I don't even really know what else to call it. I don't even really know what to call this message because it's like Bible numerology. You know, my, you know, does that make you, does it sound like I'm for it or against it? But I'm going to tell you, I'm against most of what's being taught, but I'm not going to say there's not something to it. So for, let me read off some examples of what the scholars tell us that these numbers mean. And I don't think there's any doubt there's some legitimacy to it, but one is the number of unity. Uh, two is the number of union or division. Uh, three is the number of resurrection, divine completeness, perfection, Godhead in the Trinity. Uh, four is the number of creation of the world. And I'm just reading this. I don't know that I agree with all this stuff. Five is the number of grace. Um, some people say it's the number of death because in Genesis 5, it says, and he died, and he died. And he died. But it also says, and he begat, and he begat, and begat. So you could say, you know, but, but either way, you know, people want to argue over this stuff. And people get so dogmatic on this stuff, too. They get so dogmatic on it. And it's just, it's not, it's not that clear. But six, we'll be talking about this number a lot. It's the number of man, man's number, or Satan, his influence. Seven is the number of completeness, spiritual perfection. And I'm not going to go through all of these, but folks, you know, there is no doubt, for example, the number seven, it's used quite a bit, especially in the book of Revelation. You have the seven seals, the seven vials, the seven uh, thunders, the seven trumpets. 
you've got 12 is a number that's used a lot. Jesus chose 12 you know, apostles. You've got the 12 tribes of Israel. There's 12 gates to the city of New Jerusalem. There's no doubt that we see you know, certain numbers that are used a lot in the Bible. But let me just briefly tell you what I think this means. Okay? I just think it just shows us that God is just a God of order. And I believe that a lot of those things that he did too, uh, the way he would use a lot of these numbers was, I believe, to help us remember these things too. It's just, it makes it easy for us to remember. You know, the year of Jubilee was every 50 years. But, you know, that's easy to remember. You know, number 50, you know, probably better to use something like that than the number 37. You know, it's, it's hard to divide and you'll get, you're going to get confused and people are going to forget when that year's coming up. But with 50... It's a little more easy. Uh, the number 40, I think, is interesting. You know, 40, they, uh, you know, the scholars tell us that it's the number of trial, testing, or tribulation. I think there's something to that. We had Jesus. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. The children of Israel, because of what they did, they were in the wilderness for 40 years. You had Moses. He spent 40 years in Egypt. He spent 40 years in the desert. He spent 40 years uh, in the wilderness. We've got, um, oh, what else? There, there, there's a lot of things like that in the Bible. You have... Um, after Jesus rose from the dead, it was like God gave Israel 40 years before they were destroyed and they were destroyed. You know, it was the 330 AD when he rose from the dead, 70 AD is when uh, Jerusalem was destroyed. So we do, we see that number used a lot. And I know there's other examples too. I didn't, I didn't keep track of all those things. So I don't want you to just write immediately, write somebody off if they get up and they preach a sermon and then they use something with numbers. I'm not against all Bible numerology. I think there's definitely some significance to these things. You know, some people will talk about how David uh, picked up five stones and five is the number of grace. But, okay, so what did grace have to do with him using one stone and killing Goliath? And, you know, and so then they've gone as far as preaching. You know, the Bible mentions four other giants in Goliath's family. You study that out. You know, I think David, he went prepared in case those other ones came after him. He was ready to take out the other four too, you know, but I don't know. You know, you see how, but you know, those things sound so interesting, don't they? And I'm going to show you real things. People are preaching and teaching that I think is really off the wall stuff. And, and, but at the same time, don't just immediately write somebody off, right? Don't be a nut job follower. And then, like, take something I say and then run to an extreme with it, all right? Don't, don't make me look like an idiot knucklehead and then somebody uses a number and then, you know, you write them off as a heretic or something like that. No, there is, it is okay to use this to a certain extent, but I'm going to show you where I think we cross the line at some point. Because I do, I think this just shows God's a God of order. I think he would give these examples of time frames. He would use certain numbers to help us remember these things. And so I think it's good, you know, it's good for us to study these, pay attention to it, maybe make mental note of it. But I believe there's some areas where we start crossing a line. And one of those is when we start getting additional revelation because of numbers. When all of a sudden, because maybe certain numbers are used, you start pulling things from that text that just aren't there. You start teaching things that you can't find clear teaching of anywhere in the Bible, I think you're crossing a line. When you do that, you need to watch out for that. We, we ought to base our doctrine on clear scripture, not on numbers, not on, you know, the chapter and verse numbers and things like that. We shouldn't do that. Uh, I think when you start teaching things as truth based on the numbers, 
rather than what the Bible clearly says, you're out of line. Uh, I also believe when you use numbers or combination of numbers to claim that the Bible predicted something after the event already took place, then I believe you're crossing a line. Because here's the thing, if the numbers in the Bible predicted it, and if your formula was accurate, then why didn't you call it before it happened? Listen, we could probably make anything we want add up to 9-11-2001. I'm sure if we worked hard enough on it. I, did, I made up some of my own Bible numerology stuff. Right? I'm going to give you an example in a little bit that I, there's probably some preachers, if they hear this, they might run with it. But what I'm going to share with you is going to be nonsense, if you ask me. But I came up, I went and I did some of my own. I can do it. If they can do it, I can do it. But so here's, you know, but yeah, if these things actually predicted something, we should call it ahead of time. You shouldn't go back and look. That, that's not how that works. And so what is, first off, what is regular numerology, though? Because a lot of people get offended uh, by that term numerology. But numerology, uh, you know, in the secular world it's a you know pseudo scientific belief in a divine or mystical relationship between a number and one or more coinciding events it is also the study of the n- numerical value of the letters and words names and ideas it is often associated with the paranormal alongside astrology and similar to divinatory arts and there are some people out there that are not christian at all but they get all freaked out by numbers you know and they know how to like all our names have numbers and, or they'll look at your birthday and they'll connect a number to it. And you might add up to a 12 or something and they don't deal with 12s and, you know, they won't date somebody because, you know, their birthday falls on this day and that makes them what we all know that's whacked out and messed up, don't we? But did you know, you start following you know, what some of these people do and teach in that world, they're doing the exact same stuff with the Bible. I'm going to show you example. It's the same thing, folks. It is the same thing. I heard a preacher just you know, recently said it's not numerology, it's numerics. And it's like, okay, I'm still not seeing the difference because what you're doing with this new Bible numerics is the same thing that they're doing with numerology. And this stuff, I believe, is completely out of line. So I want to illustrate some crazy things that uh, you know, people are doing so so let's go back to revelation 13 18 all right we're going to get some scripture in a little bit but revelation 13 and verse 18 this is where we have the 666 and so here's here's my question it says here's wisdom let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is 603 score and six now let me ask you what is the number of man is it six or is it 666? Is it 666 or is it 666? Because did you know this is the only place in the Bible where we see a number receive a title and it's not the number six, but it's the number 666. That's not the same thing, folks. Okay, if I owe you $666 and I just give you six, you know, you're going to say that's not the same thing. That's not the same number. Well, fine. I'll give you $6 three times. And that will equal the same thing, right? No, that doesn't equal the same thing either. But I'm going to show you a lot of weird things. And folks, I could go to so many real examples. I'm, going to, I'm, I'm mainly staying with six. Just because I want to show you here in Revelation 13, 18, it tells us the number of man is 666, not six. And that's a different number. Okay? And so 
I, I say all this to just to, to illustrate how there's a lot more we don't know about this number than what we do know. Yet people, because of this verse, are pulling revelations from the Bible in places that is it's going to boggle your mind, right? And so let me let me do some quotes, all right? And I, and I, I have to do these things in a southern accent because everyone who teaches this stuff, they all have southern accents, all right? You cannot teach Bible numerology with a northern accent. It doesn't work, all right? I'm not trying to make fun of southerners, but I'm just making fun of Bible numerology people, and they all have southern accents. Okay? It just, it's just a fact. But this is one quote. This was, uh, and, and some of these preachers, I don't really know them. The ones that I know a little bit about, I like. I'm not trying to pick on these guys. I'm not trying to be mean, but these are their quotes. Uh, I got these uh, compliments of IFB sermon clips. Uh, one of my enemies out there, but they provide a lot of good material where I got get a, get a lot of good reference. And so this is by uh, Brother Mitch Knup. He said, man being created on the sixth day sets a pattern of hermeneutics for the number six, man. Okay, so, I mean, right there. Because man was made on the sixth day, that sets a principle of biblical hermeneutics. How do we know that? How, are we sure about that? Or are you just going to? But but what does that even mean? Six being the number of man. So now every time we see six in the Bible, we're going to start associating things with it. Well, I wouldn't think to do that, but that's exactly what these people do. So let's keep reading. So he says, everybody sitting sitting here knows that six is the number of man. Well, is it six or is it six hundred sixty-six? You know, and fine, it's 666. What does that even mean? With it being the number of man. But let's keep reading. It says, you've got the book of Joshua over there. It's the sixth book of the Bible. It's got six letters in it, and it's named after a man. You've got six phenomenon throughout the book if you've got a King James Bible. Okay. And now, folks, that's weird, Okay. Going and counting the letters, all that, six book Bible, it's named after a man. And then, and then they throw that in there. Because what I just said was off the wall and weird, but I threw in King James Bible in there. And well, I don't want to be against the King James Bible. I mean, if it helps prove the King James Bible, then by all means, I just accept what you said. Folks, that's foolish. Okay? We're King James only, but that is not an argument that, you know, to prove other Bibles are wrong. And I think all the other Bibles have Joshua's the sixth book. And it's spelled with six letters, you know, but I don't know if it, but here's the thing. What if it's not, I don't know how many letters it is in Hebrew. So did we get a new revelation because of Bible got translated in English? I'm going to show you how that doesn't make any sense here in a little bit, but here's another one. He, same person. He said in the new Testament, you got the book of Romans. It's the sixth book of the new Testament. It has six letters in it and it has man in the word. It's six. It's six in the order. It's six in the order of books that Paul wrote. It's got sixteen chapters. Why? Because it's dealing with Gentile salvation. Ten is the number of Gentiles, and six is the number of man. He also he also referenced in this. He also references six verses in the book of Romans where the sixth word is man. Now, now, who does that? <laughs> who goes through the entire book, book, I mean, looking at each verse and looking for the number of man and seeing where it's used? Now, here's the thing. Even if that had some kind of meaning to it, what does it teach me? I mean, what did we just accomplish? How is that going to help us in our understanding of the Bible and our Christian walk 
if we take the time to count the words like that, and we found six verses where man, what did you all get out of that? Anybody feel enlightened? Not me. I think that's just, that's just weird. But here's what they'll do, though. They'll say, now that only works in the King James Bible. Because, you know, because the words are different and the translation is different, you know, in the NIV, and I haven't checked, you know, man's the fifth word. But, you know, they took out that pattern that God put in the Bible about six being the number of man. No, that, that, that doesn't even make sense, folks. This is real stuff. I've heard multiple preachers teach this. Turn over to Luke chapter 19 and verse 41. Folks, and this just gets my goat right here. Luke 19, 41. Let's read it and see what this passage is about. It says, And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes, for the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, encompass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave thee in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Can anybody tell me what event this is talking about? 70 AD. This is exactly what happened to Israel. It's, I mean, what Jesus described here is exactly what came upon those people and their children is 70 AD. But, no. You know what that's about? That's about, that's prophetic of what Hitler did to the Jews in 1941 through 44. Notice Luke, 1941 through 44. <laughs> this attack on the Jews, that's prophetic of Hitler going after the Jews in 1941 through 44. Folks, that is whacked out. All oh, y'all say that's just a coincidence. It's not even a coincidence because there's, it's a completely different thing. I'm, I'm sorry that that doesn't work. Uh, you know, Pastor Cody's orange. He said, but you know, cause that's, it's, it's, you know, cause the chapter and verse markings, they got added later. They weren't there originally. I forgot what year they came out and I like them. I think they help. They definitely help us. They help us find things, but I don't believe they give us additional revelation. But you know, Pastor Cody's orange said the chapter and verse markations got a little bit of oil from another world on them. So that's what he said he believes. They got a little bit of oil from another world. Okay. So then, I think it was in the 1600s, whenever they added those, or maybe 1500s, I, f- I forgot when it was, then all of a sudden, God gave additional revelation that the previous generations didn't have. That doesn't seem to line up with some passages in the Bible um, that we're going to look at here in a little bit. Um, Psalms 12:6. Says the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, this is what's being taught about that. Is many people are teaching that purified seven times is a reference to the seven English translations that there were, and that King James was the seventh, and that was God purifying it seven times. And they'll say that this verse is prophetic of that. Well, here's a problem with that, all right? And again, I'm King James only. But that verse is saying from this generation forever. So that means God's words are pure 
pure, like silver, purified seven times. You purify silver seven times, guess what? There's probably nothing impure in it anymore, is there? And so that's what that's saying. This is not prophetic about the seventh English translation finally being the good one, finally being the right one. That doesn't even make sense, folks. That, I mean, it sounds real good. I mean, there's a book out there called Purified Seven Times. And a lot of times, I think what we do, we give a little too much grace to people that are on our side promoting the King James only thing because we like that so much. But we allow them to teach stupid stuff and it ends up making us look bad. And if, if you want to say, well, I, you know, I, I get it. You know, that's the primary application, but I believe it was also prophetic about the King James Bible. Well, here's the problem with that. You can't prove it. Okay? You can't prove that. And I think it's bad to try to use that as a basis of argument, but that's what a lot of people are doing. I mean, you go to any King James conference, you know, in the Bible Belt, and they're going to use that verse and talk about the King James Bible being the seventh English translation. I don't think that was about an English translation. I think it was talking about how back then, during then, during that time, God's God's words were pure, like silver purified seven times. And God was going to preserve them from that generation forever. So that means God's word, you know, that was given in that generation, we're still going to have even today. And I believe we have it. I believe it's in our King James Bible. But we can't act like that that is, um, you know, prophetic reference to the seventh English translation being the right one. I think that's foolish. John David Howe, he's a nut job Ruckmanite. He said that the KJV is superior to the original Hebrew because Genesis 13, 13 has 13 words. And it's about the men of Sodom. It's about homos too. 13 is the number of rebellion. And folks, you know, some of these things, I think this is pretty interesting, but Genesis 13, 13, about the men of Sodom were wicked and exceeding before God. 13, 13, 13 words about the Sodomites. All right. So, you know, uh, something about that number 13. I don't know. But, but either way, he said that it's superior because the Hebrew doesn't have 13 words in that verse. So wait a, wait a minute. So God's word got better after it switched to English? I always just thought we had the same thing. Uh, that's what you're supposed to have in a translation. The, the whole idea of having an accurate translation is it's telling you the same thing that was said in the original. That To me, that's what the whole doctrine of preservation is. And I, that we have the same thing that they had back then, but people are claiming we've got these additional revelations in our English Bible, and it's based on weird numerology stuff. Folks, we cannot accept this kind of teaching. It's weird. Kevin Mann, he said that Psalms 119 is the Word of God chapter. Now, I think that's a great title. If you read Psalms 119, right smack in the middle of your Bible, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. It almost every verse, I think there might be one or two exceptions, has some kind of reference to the words of God uh, in it, whether it be testimonies, statutes, words, whatever. Almost every single verse in that is about the Word of God. I think that's a great title for it. It's definitely the Word of God chapter in the Bible. But then, and I've heard more than one people say this too, there's 176 verses in there. 16 times 11 is 176. So, so is 22 times 8. <laughs> wow, I never thought of that. You know, I, if we make it, I've been looking for Jesus to return 2208. Just, that's, that's what they do with stuff like that. Folks, 
That doesn't prove anything. But 1611, that's our King James Bible year. You know, that, that proves something there. Well, except if it actually meant that, then you should have been able to tell us, they should have been able to tell us back then, the perfect Bible is finally going to be here in 1611. But nobody, nobody did. Nobody saw it coming. It's something we look back on. You can't do stuff like that. All right? I'm sure if somebody wanted to, they could find a verse somewhere and make it add up to whatever year the NIV came out. And that, it's not going to prove anything. But this same uh, Pastor Kevin Mann, he loves, the, he loves the number 66. We've got 66 books in the Bible, right? And he said, this is, this is uh, but he talks about the table of showbread, okay? how it had bread on it which is a picture of the Word of God. Man should not live by bread alone. That table of showbread, it had two rows of six. There was, you know, there was 12 for the 12 tribes of Israel, a loaf of bread, but there were six by six. 66, that table of showbread is a picture of the Word of God. Six by six, he keeps saying, I thought it was 12. <laughs> but No. No, that represents the 66 books of the Bible. Six by six. Matthew 4, 1 just happens to be the 66th verse of the New Testament. Verse 1 just happens to be 66 letters. Six by six. That's what he said. There's 11 verses in this passage. In Matthew 4, it's not 4, 1, but later that's where he says, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word. So he says, but it was verse 11, I believe, where he said that. And he said there's 11 verses in that passage. If you add them up, 1 plus 2 plus 3 going all the way to 11, it adds up to 66. And verse 11 where he says, man shall not live by bread alone. It's all just a coincidence. Right? Folks, that's foolish. All right? Now, here's some numerology I came up with. Okay? Uh, today is August 29th. So I looked up every reference in the Bible to 829. I looked at every 829 that's in the Bible. And it just so happens that the sixth one, the sixth time there's an 829 in the Bible is in 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 29. If you want to turn over there in Bibles, you'll notice what it says. And King Joram went back to be healed in Jezreel of the wounds which the Syrians had given him at Ramah when he fought against Hazael, king of Syria, and Ahaziah, the son of Jehoram, King of Judah went down to see Joram, the son of Ahab, in Jezreel because he was sick. Y'all probably didn't see it. But you know what? There's six men mentioned in that verse. Six times we see in 829. It's the number of man. Six men mentioned in there. We got Joram. We've got Hazael. We got Ahaziah. We got Jehoram. We got Judah. And we got Ahab. Now, I don't know what that proves. <laughs> but today, August 29th, is the, is the day of man. And so, I, folks, these type of things are absolutely ridiculous. And let, let, but here, let me, let's actually look at some things and think biblically and logically, all right? So here's the thing. If we believe in preservation of the Bible, then you know what that means? We have to believe that we have the same thing that they started out with. We don't have something different. We have the same thing. Matthew 5.17 says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. 
So, but folks, right here, the Bible, we're supposed to have the same Bible today till it's all been fulfilled. Now, think about this. If Jesus is telling him, these, none of these things are going to pass till all is fulfilled, then doesn't that mean we need to have the Bible until it's all been fulfilled? Otherwise, how do we even prove that? How does, how does Jesus even back up that statement that he made? How are we supposed to live by that today if we don't have a perfect word of God? We have to have a perfect word of God. Otherwise, this passage cannot be true, but we have to have the same thing that they had back then. We don't have something new. We didn't get something new with our King James Bible. We, you know what we got? I believe we got, I believe we got the same thing. I believe, it, I believe we have the same thing that God had given. Psalms 119, verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And I believe ever since God's word has been given out, I do not believe that we got new revelations in 1611. I don't believe that. I believe these things have been settled. And I believe once those words of God were pinned down, once God gave them to man, they were settled at that point. Obviously, God did not give us all of the Bible at one time. But I do believe when holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, the things that those men wrote, they were settled at that point. They were done. They were finished. And I believe that we have the same thing that the Apostle Paul wrote down. The message, the meaning, everything that was supposed that we were supposed to be able to get from what Paul wrote down in Scripture, I believe we have that in this King James Bible. But you know what I don't believe we have? I don't believe we have something in addition to that. I think we've got the same thing. I think that's what I believe. And numbers doesn't, don't change that. Adding up the number of words does not change that. Okay? It, we, otherwise, we're getting new things in the English language. You know what that also means, too? That means we have things in the English Bible that people don't, can't get in other Bibles. I mean, because what are we going to do? For, I mean, you know, you know, Brother Hugo, you have to look up Genesis 13, 13 in Spanish. I mean, what if it doesn't have 13 in Spanish? Maybe that could settle the whole, you know, Spanish Bible debate. Let's go find out which one has 13 words in it. And, you know, and then we'll know if that's the right one or not. And then, you know, that's just foolish. You know, that's not what that these things are supposed to be about. And I do, I believe we cross a line when we start claiming extra revelation from our King James Bible, especially when it's based on numerology, because that's what they get up and say. You won't get that in any other Bible. Well, even if it's in this, it's, it doesn't prove anything. It's ridiculous. The English language is not a magical language. Y'all understand that? Our spellings are not magical spellings. Did you know the original 1611, the spellings were different than ours today? So, did we get some more information, you know, in, some more revelation? In 1769, I don't believe that. I believe we have the same thing. But the thing is, you know, what are you going to do with how these numbers all add up? Nothing. It, 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 just, it, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't prove anything. It doesn't change anything. And if it changes something, we've got a problem. Because we don't have the same thing that they originally had. Um, you know, we shouldn't be teaching additional doctrines today than what was being taught in Paul's day. Look at 1 Timothy Chapter one. Now, understand, okay, as I go through this passage right here, I do not believe what we are seeing today from these preachers that are preaching this weird numerology stuff, that this is, ex that's exactly what they were doing in Paul's day. But I do believe it's the same type of sin. I think it's the same sin that was in Paul's day that's just been repackaged. Okay? Because understand that's how things typically work. 
There's a lot of things that the Bible calls out very clearly. And you know what? We find a new way to repackage it. For example, you don't see too many people. In fact, I don't, I've never seen anybody say you have to be circumcised to be saved. You know why? Because that specifically came up in the Bible and it was specifically dealt with and they nip that and it's done. But you know what people will do? They'll say, well, you have to be baptized. You know, they, you have to keep some other law. You know, it's just, it's, but it's, it's the same thing, same heresy, just repackaged. So we just got a different color bow on the package. It's pretty much all that there is to it. But in 1 Timothy 1, 3, look what he says. He says, And as I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went to Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Hey, now again, numerology isn't mentioned here, but doesn't numerology do the exact same thing? All it does is bring, it brings up questions it, and it doesn't make any sense. It says, now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, which means sincere, not with hypocrisy, which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. Folks, this numerology stuff, it's vain jangling. It sounds good. Y'all, you know, go count the numbers of letters, the numbers of vowels, and the numbers of consonants in Genesis 1-1, and in Revelation chapter 22, verse 21, in the first verse of the Bible, and the last verse of the Bible. Exact same number of letters, same vowels, same consonants. You only get that in the King James Bible. So, really, so in order to get everything that this Bible has to offer, I got I to gotta, I gotta count the letters. I mean, I, I believe in studying, and you know, and that just puts whole new meaning to studying as being a weariness of the flesh. You know, when you got to go and you got to do that kind of stuff too. And you know, the fa- funny thing is too, it's like these people, you know, they come up with this 1941 through 44 thing and make it about Hitler going after the Jews, and they can't even figure out Romans nine. They can't even figure they are not all Israel of Israel. They can't even figure out Galatians chapter three. They can't figure out these things. The Bible clearly says, but they've got all this revelation. And you know, and don't you dare say anything against Israel because they'll throw the Luke nineteen forty one through forty four in your face. <laughs> and it works too because ninety nine point nine percent of the people listening to these guys preach, they've never even heard of the destruction of Jerusalem in seventy A.D. They know nothing about that. You know, it's it's absolutely this is this stuff's embarrassing, folks. And let me, the, num, the, Bible numer, the Bible numerology or numerics that many are preaching today, it is just a way to bring new preaching material to the pulpit that no one has ever heard while trying to pretend you're still for old time religion. Because, you know, listen to this, we're saying King James Bible. <laughs> hey folks, I'm a Baptist. Not a Baptist. I'm a Baptist with an extra B. In there, so obviously I'm for old time religion, because anybody who preaches like that's obviously old time religion. I mean, when was the last time you heard a trendy say Baptist? <laughs> I, I didn't don't do that. When was the last time you heard a you know trendy say King James Bible? <laughs> they're not they're not going to do that. They're going to talk with their list. They're going to talk all effeminate and do all the things that they do. You know, ESV. Turn, turn, you know, I like you know that, you know you know how they are. But then, but so the thing is though, you know, we all see through that, that kind of stuff, but these guys, they get up and they do, they sound like the old time religion crowd, but you know what they're doing? They're preaching new stuff. 
This is new stuff they're preaching. The stuff they're preaching is newer than what a lot of the trendies are preaching. And a lot of Baptists are falling for it because they got a southern accent, because they sound like old-time religion, because they're saying King James Bible, because they, they do those things. They're falling for it. And folks, this is exactly the type of junk that the Apostle Paul was warning people against. He said, teach no other doctrine. Oh, but you, you, know, you don't understand. What are we going to do someday when they come out with that King James Bible we get all these new revelations because of all the numbers that are in there? Don't teach it. Don't teach that stuff. Listen, if, if you can't teach these things in an old Bible, then you shouldn't be able to teach it in a King James Bible. If you can't teach it from the Hebrew and the Greek, you shouldn't be able to teach it from the King James. Otherwise, we don't have the same thing. Otherwise, preservation has just gone out the window. It's not the same thing. And you know what? It's our crowd that's been saying for a long time. Okay, when it comes to preservation, if you preserve peaches and you put them in a jar, what are you supposed to have years later when you open that up? It's supposed to still be peaches, isn't it? It's supposed to still be the same thing. If you have something different, then it was not preserved. And these people who supposedly are all about preservation, the King James Bible, are teaching we got something different. That doesn't make sense. That's not right. And you know what? Don't fall for this stuff. Don't fall for these people. And just because they're using it to prop up the King James only position, it doesn't mean what they're telling you is true. It's just a bunch of navel gazing weird weirdness that's out there. I mean, why don't you just go start? Why don't you just get into astrology and start counting the stars and constellations and you know reading horoscopes? I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same type of thing. Acts 17, 18 says that certain philosophers of the Epicureans of the Stoics encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? And some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him unto Areopagus saying, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest it. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean for all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. These people, their, their motivation for listening to Paul here was not a good motivation. They're just like, ooh, new doctrine, we're in. You know, new thing, we're in. You know, that shouldn't be our attitude. We're supposed to be preaching the same thing today. And the things that these guys are preaching, they are admitting that you couldn't have taught them before 1611. In fact, they, don't, they won't say this, but you couldn't have taught them before 1769 because the spellings and things were different. So the whole Genesis 1-1 and uh, Revelation 22-21 thing, that's not going to work. That, that's that's going to that's gonna fall flat. And if it was actually of God, then it would work in any language. But it doesn't. It only works in English. This is weird stuff. I think you could probably get any book in the world and come up with something like that. You know, I thought about looking up all the 1611 passages in the Bible, see if I got anything, you know, any, any new revelations, anything with oil from another world on there. But uh, I didn't take the time to do that. But, you know, in the Bible, we do. We see numbers being used in a certain way. And I do believe it just shows how God does things in an orderly way. I, I believe that. But what we do not see is numbers being used to teach additional doctrine where we're pulling extra revelation we don't see good numbers and bad numbers you know and we need to call this what it is it's vain jangling is what it is and so we've got guys it's almost you know who they don't know the bible but at the same time it's like they feel like we've, they've exhausted the bible it's like i got called to preach at this church 
Uh, I, I got nothing new for them. So what do they do? They go to numerology to find new, find new nuggets. You know, what do y'all see these new nuggets I came up with as I started counting some numbers and letters and consonants and you know, and, they, and I tried to find it. I must have thrown it away. I had a book on numerology I read years ago, Bible numerology, that literally made like everything add up to like 1994. And it was something in the 90s. And it made it look like Jesus was going to come back in the next couple of years because like everything in the Bible added up to 1990-something. You know, I doubt too many of those books are being sold today. You know, and it's, it's a joke. And these people, they sound real good. They're real good. At, you know, they got interesting voices. But uh, these are people, they're looking for something new to bring to the pulpit. That is not what we're here to do. We are here to preach the same thing. The same old story, not, not new revelations. And so, uh, you know, pay atten- you know, go ahead and pay attention to the numbers in the Bible. Um, I think it just kind of shows us, uh, you know, how God works in things. I think it helps, us re- it helps us remember when we see that order that's there. But... Where we cross the line is when we pull extra revelations. When we start saying the Bible predicted things, you know, but we never knew that it predicted it until after it happened, that doesn't work. You can't do it that way. And uh, hopefully this will help you see through some of this. Don't throw it all out. Don't th- call somebody a heretic if they say number seven is the number of perfection, stuff like that. Don't do that. But at the same time, uh, you know, learn to be balanced on these things. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord. I thank you so much for your word and uh, just what an amazing book it is. Lord, help us not to get so full of ourselves that we start trying to find new things to teach that nobody's ever seen before. I pray you'll help us to uh, just you know, at least get these basics down, Lord. And I pray, I pray you'll reveal things to us and you'll teach us things through the Holy Spirit, but help us not to uh, cross these lines that we talked about and uh, just make the King James only position look bad, but you'll help us to uh, just preach the truth and that we'll preach the same thing. Uh, that was being uh, taught when it was originally given out. In your name we pray. Amen.